for us, we have had our own challenges, trials, and tribulations, and yet we are still here connecting with you. See how hard life is, and yet we're all still here. I don't know. If we were actually vulnerable more and knew how many people struggle with things, we We, wouldn't actually feel the way we do. Yeah, I know. I'm Stephanie Dinsmore. And I'm Jody Lockie Doosling. We're two therapists with 33 years of collective experience in the mental health field. Tune in as we get comfortable to talk about things like self-improvement, growth, relationships, traumatic experiences, and more. Together, we'll discuss neuroscience, attachment, and trauma, and look at holistic and alternative approaches beyond the counseling space. Let's just talk about it. Where did that just get pulled from? I have no idea. (laughs) Amen. So Jody, last time we talked a little bit about authentic self and today we are going to do a deeper dive. So can you define it for us? Yeah. So essentially it is when all of the areas in in our internal self are in sync. So values, body, mind, heart, and the soul. So really like listening about our intuition, what our body is saying to us is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to identify, you know, what are your mental states? What are your emotional states? What internal dialogue do you carry? And being able to observe these things and see, are these consistent with your thoughts? Are they consistent with your what you want in life, with what your intuition is telling you? Mm-hmm. And I think even for myself, I can think back to my own childhood. That was really hard for me to do, to listen to my own intuition, what my body might have been saying, what my thoughts were coming up because of some of the parenting that we had in our lives. And I know that affects a lot of our clients. So how does how we were raised affect our authentic self? I mean, I think it literally is directly correlated. And this is not to blame or hold accountability. Let's just talk about parenting in the 80s, okay? Mm -hmm. 80s and 90s, right? It was very much an invalidating type of parenting. Not from a malicious part, but more from of a walk it off, suck it up, Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I didn't know or they don't know any better because a lot of those times emotional conversations were not being had at the dinner table. No, I don't know about you, but my family did not talk about emotion regulation or, no. you know, on a scale of one to 10, how mm. emotionally uh, sad are you feeling? Mm-hmm. That was not discussed, yeah, right? for sure. But as a result of invalidation, we learn not to trust our own intuition. And that's where it becomes the problem. A lot of the counseling we do now is getting people to trust that they already have all these answers. I would love to go back to parenting and look at when I was a child. What did that look like before I was socialized to believe what was accurate or what how I should behave or what was neurotypical behavior? Mm-hmm. And looking back now, I'm thinking, I was probably neurodivergent. I, I've, I identify with that now, but, you know, did systems essentially get that out of me? Mm-hmm. No, that's – and it's so true. I always think back to – I always wanted to fit into a box – to make the right choices, make the right decisions, make those above me, like parents, teachers, accept me. And that really hurt, actually, in it, how I was mm. shaped. And it has impacted who I am today to unlearn some of those things, to be my true and authentic self and accept that parts of me are weird and it's okay. 
and grow with that and also find the community of people that love you for exactly who you are and how you are, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's an interesting thing because our bodies are like vessels. So they hold all of those things in place. And so we have all of these internal memories and all of these things that are stored so tightly within Mm -hmm. that we don't even know that this stuff is coming up for us, right? I know. And it can be really scary when we have those moments or those realizations. It could be a show that we were watching and we're like, whoa, what just happened? What am I remembering? Why is it coming up for me? And what do I do with it? That's right. And it's, of course, it's our internal states trying to ensure that we're safe and that we're contained. And so when stuff triggers us, we're often caught off guard with it, mm-hmm. that it doesn't seem to fit with anything or make sense or there's no correlation. But let me tell you, it is all highly correlated. <laughs> it is all highly correlated. And I love making that connection for clients. Like when we're working, we're in sessions and we're able to bridge those gaps that they might feel are there from their own experiences when in reality, it's what happened to you. Absolutely. So Steph, what are some strategies to develop authenticity? Yeah. So one of the things that has really helped me personally is to define and embrace my own strength. So as you know, I am much an academic. I just completed my doctorate. Um, Being in school has always helped me to thrive, I think, because my world ends up being so busy, but I'm a highly organized person. I'm able to time block, get things done. I'm a self-starter, self-learner. And for me, just embrace Embracing that strength has allowed me to be so successful, but that's not everyone's strengths. What about yours, Jody? Yeah, I mean, I think that I used to identify myself as being very organized, and then I started to recognize that those were things I put in place mm-hmm. to help me gain those things like acceptance, like belonging, like a sense of self or connection. So my academics were very much related to my sense of self and achievement and purpose. Mm-hmm. And highly linked to that. And so there's a lot of pressure that comes with that too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that it's more my strengths are connection with people. And that is what I needed to build upon as a kid. Not necessarily academic stuff, but more my strengths with connection. And it's so funny you say that because as you're talking about that, it reminds me that back in the day, I intended to become a police officer. I can totally see that. Yeah. And so what happened was I ended up becoming pregnant with Haley at a younger age and chose to go on that route as a single parent and realized that that was not the job or career for me. And I ended up landing a job as a counselor. And what happened was I started connecting with people and realized how much I was able to be my true and authentic self in that role by helping other people and how fulfilling it made me feel. Absolutely. And I think you brought up a few other ways that we can develop authenticity. And part of that is exploring our values. Mm -hmm. So what values do we hold? If, if, you know, reducing human suffering is a value of ours and a core value of ours, Mm -hmm. then it makes sense that we would be in this field. What about you, Steph? What values do you think you carry? Well, I definitely value community and supporting our community and uplifting. So even though we, you know, I own the private practice, ways that we give back are through our Brant Safe Beds program and Why Not City Mission. And we offer free counseling to our youth and to our adults who may need support in getting back on track as a part of their transition plan and road to recovery. And I think it's something that makes us feel really good at Mindful Path. 
Yeah, I mean, that's beautiful. And building a sense of community is the thing I missed out the most on in school. Mm -hmm. I was always told, you know, self-care, self-care, self-care. And what I didn't realize that I did not need self-care. I needed community care. Connection. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I needed like-minded people, people that understood what we were talking about, that felt connected. Mm -hmm. You know, even as a child, I remember being so emotional, right? I was so emotional and so sensitive. And I, I think I've heard this so many times in my life. And what I've come to realize is that's my strength. That's the thing I was meant to be authentic with, Mm -hmm. but it was looked at as a negative thing. Well, especially as being women, women in business, emotions can be seen as a negative. And what I have learned is I've truly embraced my ability to experience emotions and to feel connected. And what that's actually helped me do is to be a better leader, a better supervisor, and help me connect on a deeper level with the clients and with our community. Absolutely. I'll never forget the time, Steph, at one of the jobs that we worked at. We actually lost uh, a mutual client. And um, and you and I both said, as leaders, we brought to the team, you know, we're struggling with this. And mm-hmm. we've reached out for our own help with this. And modeling vulnerability mm-hmm. was something that you and I took very seriously because it was not something that was modeled to us. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you create a community of people that are like, you're right, this is what we should, you know, this is how we do reach out for help and gain that help. And I think, too, now... Now, in our current roles, one of the things that we have pursued is certification in psychological health and safety and bringing that to the workplace um, because we realize how important it is to notice and name your emotions, another strategy to work towards to being your authentic self. And again, like we said in our last recording is what you get personally is also what you get professionally. So if I am going to name and express my emotions personally, I also want to do that in my profession and as a leader. Absolutely. And I think this brings us to the idea of the imperfect self. So as we're on this journey to find what our authentic self means, it also means that we have to cultivate the courage to be imperfect. And I don't know about you, but so many things have come to the forefront to me now that I've really done observations or observing myself, my emotions, my mm-hmm. my thoughts, you know, all of these things. And a lot of it is how imperfect I am. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. And how nice that is when we're working on authenticity that it's actually more important to be imperfect. Like, Mm -hmm. what is perfect? I don't even know. Mm -hmm. What is normal? I don't even know. So it's actually more important to be vulnerable and be ourself. And the one thing that I've noticed that I've really appreciated is stepping out of my comfort zone. And I did this last night at a business networking event. I actually didn't know a single soul. And it was a great opportunity to meet other like-minded business professionals and the community that we so deeply want to connect with. And sometimes for me, pushing myself out of my comfort zone to do those types of events and networking has been an ability for me to strengthen things that I might not be good at, but also allowing me to step into my true and authentic self. Well, and that challenging of ourselves is what actually creates the thriving, not just surviving. Mm -hmm. And what you just said made me think of the idea that we must first believe that we're actually worthy and that we are worthy of love and acceptance. And when we've had childhoods where we didn't necessarily feel that, this is a really hard thing to gain. Love and acceptance can be something that is so lacking for people, but something we so deeply desire. And again, if the more we are able to lean into our true and authentic self, the more opportunity we have to feel love and connection. Yeah. And how do you think we could mindfully practice authenticity? 
So I think one of the things that we can do to practice is through expression of gratitude and joy into our lives. So that could be through a formal or informal practice. So a formal practice might be journaling where you sit down for 10 minutes a day and you express your deep gratitude for what you're experiencing in your life. Or maybe it's more informal. Maybe you're someone who's super busy like me and I like to do it informally. And maybe it's just having a deep appreciation or thanking someone that you ran into at the store. It doesn't have to be anything major. It could just be something informal throughout your day. I love that stuff. And honestly, for me, it, it means just being open and honest and direct and true to what my authentic light is. And it's messy and it's <laughs> it's not always pretty and it's busy and you see me like this all the time. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's real and it's raw and it's true. And for me, this is the only way to actually see all of the behaviors in the past that I have to change or that, you know, didn't work for me or wasn't authentic to what I wanted. You know, was I doing things because other people wanted me to do that? Mm-hmm. Was it to belong or fit in? Or is it truly what I want and need? And it's interesting, Jody. as I reflect on even our daily conversations, when I get our rapid text messaging from you, it's when I get to see you for your true authentic self, because you have all of these ideas and so much love and care to give to others. And you want to make true change for our clients and for the community. And I think that is when the, your best ideas come forward, when we have these kind of rapid fire discussions. <laughs> Can we just be honest? I have so many ideas. So many ideas. <laughs> but I think, again, embracing myself would be that I used to hide that part of right. me where nobody would see that because it wasn't as professional or it wasn't as perfect. Mm-hmm. But now I'm able to say my most creative flow and expression comes when I am being my most authentic self, which is not pretty. Mm-hmm. But I have great ideas. You do. I love your <laughs> ideas. This is one of them, the podcast. So thank you for uh, sharing that with me. And I love Steph's open and honest and, and you know, uh, care. and co- No, but care and compassion too. Mm-hmm. Direct is a good thing. I think I most think clients so. actually want direct mm-hmm. because I don't know about you, but in session, sometimes I'll say to clients, I'm being authentic when I say to you that yes. I feel that you are extremely resilient. Mm-hmm. And I don't say things in sessions that I don't mean. Mm-hmm. Because being authentic personally and professionally have to be linked. Yes, I agree. I feel uneasy when I see providers being very different or very mm-hmm. separated from who they are in the professional realm, in the personal realm. And I'm like, oh, this feels very disconnected for me. And then I have a difficult time connecting with them. I'll never forget a time we did the I'm not myself today campaign Mm -hmm. at at a workplace that I was at. And uh, all of the staff there worked with frontline mental health, uh, pretty intensive mental illness pieces. And we were going to wear these pins that said what emotion we were feeling at the time. And a lot of the staff were so upset about this. They were like, this is not professional. And I thought, no, but it's vulnerable. It's real. We are Mm -hmm. real humans that have real bad days. Yeah. And I don't want my clients to personalize it if I'm a bit off that day. It's better for them to know. No, mm-hmm. I also come with my own stuff. Yes, absolutely. Isn't that refreshing? I think it's refreshing, but also authentic. Right. And I think, I, and I'm not sure how you feel about this, but I believe that sometimes it's not about the degrees that we hold, all the professional mm. development that we, ha- that we have, but really the care and connection and rapport we can build with our clients. And bringing that true authentic self to our session says so much more than the degrees that we have. 
And you're right. As a trauma therapist, I mean, being authentic and compassionate for self is also modeling to our clients mm-hmm. that this, like, we have to be gentle with ourselves, too. Mm-hmm. And I know you and I can be really good at being like that with other people. And we have to remind ourselves. <laughs> and that. with each other, but not yeah, ourselves. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and we have to remember that we have compassion for everything our clients deal with, including ourselves. But being authentic is the key to that. Mm-hmm. It's also a way for us to build those vulnerable and authentic connections and meaningful connections in our life in doing that. Absolutely. And I think as well, uh, Brene Brown talked about this too, about the the role of shame Mm -hmm. and how many of us feel so much shame for things like showing pain or sadness or fear and how we're so scared to be vulnerable, Mm -hmm. right? But we can't, if we're not vulnerable, we can't actually be authentic. Mm -hmm. That's so true. And I love one of the quotes that she shares is the greatest causality of trauma and oppression is vulnerability. And this is definitely what we experience in our client sessions as trauma therapists. We hear this from the like the second we meet our client in the intake and it's so important for us to say it's okay we're here with you this is a safe place where you can be your authentic self and I think that truly helps people be able to process feel safety and work through you know their wellness and recovery Absolutely. And I think of all the time clients come in, and you probably see this all the time too, Steph, and Mm -hmm. and when they cry, the first thing they try to do is stop it. Oh, all the time. They hold it in, they Mm -hmm. take a deep breath, they're trying to hold, you know, just, they're trying to store it. Mm -hmm. And I will always say like, no, allow that to flow, allow that to happen. That is a good thing. Your body needs to release that. Mm -hmm. But there's so much shame with sadness, Mm -hmm. so much shame. And I find it interesting when clients come and they feel that they aren't able to fully express themselves with their counselor. I think Mm. that just speaks to how much stigma still exists around mental health. One of the new things that I learned in a trauma training I attended last week was the opportunity when a client is sharing something extremely vulnerable and painful to pause them and ask them how it feels in their body and what emotion is coming up for them. And I tried this the other day and was shocked at how instantly their emotions were able to flow when I sat with them and expressed to them how it made me feel as I was hearing it. Yeah. And also saying to clients things like, is there room for self-compassion here? Mm -hmm. You know, can we choose to have a little bit of vulnerability? And I'll sit with you while you tolerate that because Mm -hmm. I know that it'll bring shame and guilt and fear and sadness, but that we want clients to actually have to physically feel these things Mm -hmm. or, or at least sensationally feel these things to release them. Mm -hmm. And when we're doing this in session, we're always working with the client with where they're at, making sure they feel comfortable, but just a little bit uncomfortable that we can do that work together, but still enough that they are present and with us in the session. We never push someone to where they'd be dissociating. We know that's too much. So we always want to have the client sit with us while we work through some of these pieces and to allow the client to express compassion for themselves as they work to identify and feel some of these emotions. And we do that together. Yeah, I love the walking alongside piece that we really need to be able to to be alongside those clients and everything that they're going through the same way we do for ourselves mm-hmm. and each other. And I think too, I know you shared this with me with one of the people that you're supporting is just how important it is to sit with them because sometimes they don't have anyone else to do that. And so we don't take that very lightly. The work that we do with our clients through trauma-informed care is 
so, so important to us. And the fact that people allow us to sit with them at their most vulnerable states to help them develop their true authentic selves is extremely, extremely important work. The other thing, too, that you just brought up for me, Steph, is that we know shame actually destroys our authentic self. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so many of us carry so much of that around with us from early childhood experiences. As you said earlier, one thing that I always heard in the 80s and 90s was don't be a girl or Mm -hmm. walk it off or suck it up Mm -hmm. or that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And how much that teaches us to actually internalize Mm -hmm. and to stuff everything down. And then we become fellow stuffers. Right. And I know I am one. And so I'm working on releasing. (laughs) it so that I can help my clients release it too. Because, you know, we have to start that journey within ourselves before we can help other people with it. Absolutely. And I think for us as trauma therapists, we will always be in therapy as a way to stay (laughs) accountable to our authentic selves. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I won't give up the connections I've made as a result of this. They're Mm -hmm. real. They're raw. We truly care about each other. And so when we can build connections like this in our community, that is safety. That is containment. Mm -hmm. Not when we're putting on a mask or a face for someone else's needs to get met. And it just links me back to the importance of holistic care instead of individual, like an individual or individualized care. Really, holistic care is about community connection and the support gained from people in that person's life. And when we can be our true, vulnerable, authentic self is when we feel that safety, those anxieties, those discomforts we feel in our body, they start to go away and we are able to experience joy and happiness and all the things that might have been missing for so long. One of the interesting things that Brene Brown says is that joy is actually the hardest emotion to experience. I believe that. And I sat with that and I thought, Mm -hmm. what? Is Mm -hmm. this? No, this can't be true. It has to be, you know, fear or sadness or shame or something. And then I thought about it and I thought, you're so right. So right. All that research. Of course she's right. (laughs) (laughs) But it's good to actually see that, that joy is actually really hard for people. So when Mm -hmm. we're doing things like affirmations, like may I be happy, if we can't define what happiness looks like Mm -hmm. or feels like, or would we even know if we got there, you know, then we're really actually setting ourselves up to fail. Right. That's a good point. And I love that what you said about affirmations and developing them. So I always like to start with something that feels that the client could align with it. Not yeah. to say they are fully 100% there. Like I, so if I said, for example, I love you, Stephanie, maybe that was my affirmation because I'm working on self-love and self-expression. Maybe I'll start with, I like you, Stephanie. Mm -hmm. And then working from there to fully develop those feelings of happiness, joy, and attunement to self. I love exposure exercises. Yeah. Just did one with you. I know you did. (laughs) So Jody, tell us about permission slips. I love the idea of permission slips. We're both academic brains, so we love the idea of like, what are the tools and what's the neuroscience behind it? Mm -hmm. But Brene Brown actually talks about the idea of vulnerability and writing yourself a permission slip to be whatever it is that you want to be, whether it's authentic to how you feel or maybe it's just to be silly in the moment and allow yourself to be silly. Yeah, so I guess the idea would be writing a permission slip to myself to say you have permission to be fun and excitable tonight because we're going to a get-together. 
where maybe normally I would try to tune that down or turn it off as a way to protect myself. But in reality, I'm not then being my true and authentic self. And I'm feeling and expressing my emotions very differently when I'm doing that. So I love the idea of the permission slip. It's such a nice reminder, keeping it right in my pocket (laughs) and even placing my hand in there, knowing that it's there and reminding myself, oh, you have permission to be silly and fun and excitable tonight. And honestly, those are the nights that I have the most fun when I'm able to do that, when I'm around people that I trust that know me for me. And yeah, it's just a great time. I love that stuff. And I think that it is all about safety and containment. And Mm -hmm. so you're right. Depending on the environments we're in, we're able to practice some of these things a little bit better than others, Mm -hmm. right? Going to that office party may not be the time I'm going to want to bring my silly, bizarre self out. Well, it might be. Well, I might. And that's okay, too. We all work together. So, I mean, (laughs) what's the difference? But, you know, deciding where and when and who Mm -hmm. to use that on and when you feel safe to use that and and try this. It's really an exposure exercise. Try it out. See if it works. Yeah. I mean, there have been times where I've tried it and it didn't go as planned. But these, these might be groups of people that I'm not as connected with are known as long and so yeah I think we learn where we can provide ourselves with permission some more than others absolutely so hopefully today you learned a little bit more about how to be authentic and speak your opinions honestly but in a healthy way obviously not doing harm to other people making decisions that align with your values and beliefs pursuing your strengths, your passions, and listening to your inner voice to help you be that vulnerable and open-hearted person that we know is in there. What can they expect to hear next time on our next session, Steph? Yeah, so next time we are going to be talking about introspection of self, what that means, how we can apply that, and what you want to look for to build self-awareness. Yeah. And I also love that we're going to talk about internal family systems, which is one of my newer favorite things, Mm -hmm. because it helps answer the question that you asked me at the beginning of this session. Ooh, I love that. Diving into all of the parts work. I can't wait. As you know, we are a new podcast. So the best way that you can help us is to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Or just text or send this episode to a friend that you think might really resonate with this. And we'll see you next time. Keep juggling all those balls. All balls.